This is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Hey, yeah, that sure was an interesting couple of days. Locked On Mariners is back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am indeed D.C. Lundberg. We are still part of the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by Built Bar. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners Podcast or any program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just say, hey, smart device, play Locked On Anything Podcast. Follow us on Twitter as well at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you are scoring at home. Yes, uh, finally ready to record this World Series, not preview, World Series. We're going to talk about the World Series today is what we're going to do. The 2020 World <laughs> Series. Here with me to do that is Locked On Mariners contributor and Dodger fan, John Miller. John, how are you doing? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me, DC. Uh, excited to have you, since I know you are a Dodgers fan. Talking about, uh, you know, I I almost said spoiler alert, but I think everybody knows by now that the, the Dodgers won the damn thing. So yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad that you're here to, to talk some Dodger baseball instead. Well, I said almost in, I almost said instead of Mar- see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on some medication, and I think one of the side effects is rank stupidity. So kind of bear with me because I may be saying some interesting things and I may find it humorous and not edit them out of the program. Uh, in any case, let's start with uh, game one is kind of a logical place to start, wouldn't you say, John? I think that's where we should start, yes. Yeah, let's start in game one, which took place on Tuesday, October 20th, 2020, Anno Domini at 7.10 p.m. local time. And all of these games are taking place in Globular Life Field in Arlington, Texas, making this the first World Series game played at a neutral site since October 23rd, 2003, when the Yankees played the Marlins at Pro Player Stadium in Miami. Starting for the Dodgers in Game 1. I thought you might like that joke. Starting (laughs) for the Dodgers in Game 1 was Clayton Kershaw, who kind of has this monkey on his back as a tremendous regular season pitcher, not necessarily an effective postseason pitcher, which I've always found unfair. I don't know if we're going to get into that later in the program or not. He was opposed by Tyler Glasnow, who has never played in the World Series before. And guess which one came out head and shoulders above the rest? Ladies and gentlemen, it was not the pitcher standing six foot eight. It was Kershaw. He wound up going six innings, which is kind of a short outing for an ace. However, two hits, one run, it was earned. A walk, eight strikeouts, and that run was given up on a home run. Glasnow, on the other hand, four and a third innings pitched. Three hits, six runs, all earned. He walked six batters. He also struck out eight and gave up a home run. First on the board were the L.A. Dodgers in the bottom of the fourth inning. And that came on a Cody Bellinger two-run home run, continuing a theme from the previous playoff series in which everybody seemed to go deep. On the top of the fifth inning, Kevin Kiermeyer answered with a solo home run. And then the Dodgers, John, kind of opened it up in the fifth inning, didn't they? They certainly did. They did. Max Muncy, a fielder's choice to score professional bowler Mookie Betts. Will Smith, without DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, RBI single to score Kyle's brother, Corey. 
Then you got Chris Taylor, former Mariner with an RBI single of his own, to score that funky Muncie. And Kike Hernandez with an RBI single to score Smith. So this is the kind of baseball that I personally like to see, John. Base hits and base hits and maybe a double occasionally. Walks, bets, stole a base in this inning. This is what I like to call keep the wheels turning. It's not just sitting back and waiting for a home run. I think this is the way to go, don't you, John? I think this is the way every team should play every game of the season. I totally agree. Let's go. I'm going to go over the inning as it happened. Mookie Betts walked and stole second. Corey Seager walked. Justin Turner struck out. Okay, fine. Muncie's fielder's choice to score a run. Will Smith single to score a run. Pitching change. Cody Bellinger pops out to third base. Chris Taylor singles. Kike Hernandez singles. There was not one extra base hit this inning. They did it with walks, a stolen base, and a bunch of singles in succession. That's the kind of baseball that I like to see. The Dodgers would extend their lead in the sixth inning with a Mookie Betts home run and a Max Muncie RBI double. So they had some power that inning, so they can do it both ways, can't they, John? They certainly can. Absolutely. The Rays would answer back at the top of the uh, seventh inning with uh, two more runs, both of them RBI singles, one from Mike Brousseau and the other from slick fielding Kevin Kiermeyer. Those will be the last uh, run scored in this game as the Dodgers take it 8-3. to three. I bet you had fun during that fifth inning, didn't you, John? Oh, certainly had fun with that. <laughs> Absolutely, and I would expect nothing less. Tampa Bay would come back in Game 2, however. In fact, they would score in the top of the very first inning a Brandon Lowe home run. Tony Gonsolin got the start for Los Angeles. Well, starting for Tampa Bay... Shoreline's very own Blake Snell. Yes, from my hometown, I guess former hometown now, Shoreline, Washington. Shoreline has two high schools. Blake Snell went to the other one. I can't say the name, but he didn't go to Shorecrest. I'm not going to say the name of the high school that he went to. In any case, Snell, uh, you know, hit or miss in this inning, four and two-thirds innings, two hits, two runs, both earned, four walks, nine strikeouts. He is a, he can strike him out, guys. He did allow one home run. Gonsolin, this was more or less a bullpen game, I guess. Gonsolin, one and a third innings, one hit, one run. It was earned. It was that uh, home run that we spoke of. And then Dylan Floro an inning in a third. Victor Gonzalez an inning. Dustin May an inning in a third. Joe Kelly an inning. Alex Wood two innings. And Jake McGee one inning. It's interesting to see bullpen games in the playoffs. I'm not used to that, John. Oh, not at all. No, and... I don't know what else to say about that, so we'll just move on to the scoring recap. The Brandon Lowe home run in the first inning that I mentioned. The Rays would extend the lead with a two-run double from Joey Wendell in the fourth inning, and the Rays would get two more on another Brandon Lowe home run. Dodgers would not score until the bottom of the fifth, a Chris Taylor two-run home run. Joey Wendell again in the top of the sixth inning hits a sacrifice fly to score Jimon Choi. In the sixth inning, Will Smith hits a home run. It was kind of bombs away in this game as Corey Seager hit one himself in the bottom of the eighth inning, a solo job for a 6-4 to four final score in Tampa Bay's favor. They even up the series at a game apiece. So now the roles are reversed. They're staying in Arlington, but now the Tampa Bay Rays will be the home team, quote-unquote home team, for the next three games, and game three was taken by Los Angeles, a 6-2 to two final. Walker Bueller over former Astro 
Charlie Morton. The Dodgers would score in the very first inning when Justin Turner hit a solo home run. I've said it on the show before, and I'm going to say it again. Justin Turner looks like he should be living in a tree and making cookies. Or he looks like he should be trying to fend off children trying to get at his scrumptious lucky charms. Yeah. In any case, top of the third inning, Max Muncy two-run single to score Turner and Corey Seager. And the Dodgers would extend that lead in the fourth inning. The first run coming on a kind of an RBI bunt ground out, which is kind of halfway between a squeeze play and a sacrifice bunt. There were runners at the corners, and Austin Barnes bunted the ball between first base and the pitcher. I'm not exactly sure how to describe it other than just telling you exactly what happened, but that's what happened to run scores, and Jock Peterson, who was on at first base, winds up at second. Bellinger scored on the play. That play was immediately followed by an RBI single from Mookie Betts. So the Dodgers now have a 5 nothing lead, and it's looking pretty good for L.A. at this point, isn't it, John? It certainly is. Absolutely. Bottom of the fifth inning, Dodgers would get a mere one run back on an RBI double from Willie Adamas, but that's pretty much negated in the uh, very next half frame by an Austin Barnes home run. Rays would score one more in the ninth inning on a Randy Arozarena home run, who had just been having a fabulous playoffs. But that is the last run that they would score, and the Dodgers take this one six to two to take a two to two to one series lead. Tampa Bay that would certainly was not Walker Bueller's day off. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. I appreciate that. Let's go through uh, Walker Bueller's pitching stats for that uh, game, which I should have done already. Thank you for reminding me to do that and making it funny at the same time, which I really appreciate. Walker Bueller did pitch six innings. He gave up three hits and one run. It was earned. One walk, and listen to this, gang, 10 strikeouts in those six innings. No day off indeed. Charlie Morton, on the other hand, did have something of an off day. Four and a third innings, seven uh, seven hits, one walk, six strikeouts, a home run, and five runs. All of them earned. Not so good for the former Astro. And as I said, the... uh, Rays would tie it up in game four with an eight to seven victory, which was kind of a back and forth affair for a while. Dodgers did get the scoring underway in the first inning and surprise, surprise, it was a home run by Justin Turner himself. Dodgers would take a two to nothing lead in the third inning on a home run from Corey Seager. So it's bombs away here too. And the home run barrage would continue in the bottom of the fourth with Randy Orozarena leading off that particular inning with a home run. Max Muncie, RBI single, boring. No, I'm kidding. Max Muncie, RBI single in the top of the fifth inning to plate Seager. And the Dodgers now have a 3-1 to one lead at this particular point in time. The Rays would make it 3-2 to two on a Hunter Renfro home run. And I'm glad that I got through that name in one take. I was worried about it. Top of the sixth inning, Kike Hernandez RBI double to score Will Smith in a 4-2 to two game at this time. And then the Rays would plate three on a three-run home run from Brandon Lowe. Jock Peterson would hit a two-run single in the seventh inning to plate Seager and Turner once again. And the game at this point was 6-5 to five Dodgers. Kevin Kiermeyer hits a solo home run to make it to tie the game at 6-all. And the Dodgers would take the lead back with a Corey Seager RBI single. And then the Rays would take the game in walk-off fashion with a two-run single from Brett Phillips. Julio Urias started the game for the Dodgers. Not his best work. Four hits, two runs, 
both of them earned a walk, nine strikeouts and two home runs. Um, and Ryan Yarbrough for the Rays, also not his best work either. This was effectively a bullpen contest, although not a planned one, John. Certainly not. No. Ryan Yarbrough, three and a third innings, five hits, two runs, both earned a walk, a strikeout. Those two runs were both scored on solo home runs. And Urias's two runs given up were also scored on solo home runs. There were six home runs hit in this game. Again, kind of extending a theme that we saw in the previous playoff rounds. Right, John? Definitely, yes. Particularly, the I believe it was the Astros and Yankees series. There were 20 or something home runs hit that series. That's a lot. That was insane. It was absolutely insane. At this point, we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. They are indeed the best-tasting protein bars in the history of best-tasting protein bars. They are delicious. They come in 18 flavors. The mint brownie, the peanut butter brownie, German chocolate cake. Those are the three flavors that I ordered and uh, got the other day. They're fantastic. Lemon almond cheesecake is another good one. There's not a bad one in the bunch. I even like the carrot cake, and I didn't think I was going to like it, but I did. And don't forget about Built Boost drink powder, which, if you mix that with hot water, it's very soothing if you've got a sore throat. Little tip from Mr. Lundberg here. And also Built Go Energy Shots. All this can be found at BuiltBar.com. And if you use promo code Sprink Sprink Sporkledy Dork, nothing happens. So use promo code Locked On instead to get 20%, yes, 20% off of your next order, ladies and gentlemen, at BuiltBar.com. If you have a question or comment, please send it to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. I will read it and reply to it on the air in an upcoming email or mailbag episode. I guess I should use the right phraseology. Ha ha ha. LockedOnMariners at gmail.com is that that phrase. Is that email address once again? I am losing my mind. I'm glad we're coming. I'm on a commercial break so I can collect it. And my tongue will be untied on the other side of this commercial word. I sincerely hope. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Yes, thank you very much, Joey Martin. I'm glad your tongue is working. He's pre-recorded. I am not pre-recorded. I am your imbecilic host, D.C. Lundberg. Got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. That was John Miller, former Locked On Mariners contributor and (laughs) a Dodgers fan. No, we'll keep him around. He's a good dude. He... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I, I appreciate that. We're talking about the 2020 World Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and Tampa Bay Rays. We have gone through the first four games, so logic would dictate that we're going to talk about Game 5. So let's talk about Game 6 instead first. No, no, no. Game 5 will be the one that we're discussing next. I don't know why I said that. And this uh, series is tied at two games apiece, uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen. Dodgers in the first inning <clears throat> of Game 5 Make, made something of a statement as if they were going to take this game. Mookie Betts leads off with a double. He is immediately driven in by Corey Siegel, Seeger with a double of his own. I guess my tongue did not get untied during the commercial break. In any case, Cody Bellinger later on in the inning hits an RBI double of his own to score Corey Seager. Dodgers have a quick 2-0 lead, and Clayton Kershaw shuts the Rays down in the bottom of the first 1-2-3. 
Leading off the top of the second, Jock Peterson hits a home run for a 3 to nothing Dodgers lead. Bottom of the third inning, Rays would get two of those runs back on a Yandy Diaz RBI triple and a Randy Orozarena RBI double. Dodgers would extend that 3-2 lead to 4-2 with a Max Muncy home run in the fifth inning. And that would be the end of the scoring as this game was a final of 4-2. Clayton Kershaw, who's had the monkey on his back, as I said, as an ineffective postseason pitcher who puts up tremendous numbers in the regular season, pitched okay this day. Five and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs, both earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. He was relieved by Dustin May, who in an inning and two-thirds gave up one hit and struck out two. Victor Gonzalez, two-thirds of an inning and a walk. And then Blake Trinan, one inning, a hit, and two strikeouts, he would get the save. Glasnow had another poor start here. Five innings, six hits, four runs, all of them earned three walks, seven strikeouts, so that's more than Kershaw. Two home runs given up. Veteran Aaron Loop goes two-thirds of an inning, followed by Diego Castillo, Ryan Sheriff, very cool name, and Ryan Thompson, none of whom gave up any runs. All four runs were given up by Glasnow in this 4-2 to two Dodgers victory. So, John, at this point, the Dodgers are one game away from something that they had not accomplished since 1988, and you had to be pretty excited going into Game 6. I was excited enough that when I was texting you the night before, I called it. You did call it indeed, and this was to be another bullpen game for Los Angeles, starting with Tony, Tony Gonsolin, pardon me, opposed once again by Shoreline's very own Blake Snell. And there's we're going to talk about something that happened later on in the ball game that you know people are kind of calling out, not calling out, but armchair quarterbacking a Kevin Cash managerial decision that we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, the scoring summary. First on the board were the Tampa Bay Rays in the top of the first inning. They're back to being the designated away team. Remember, gang, all these games are being played in Arlington, a neutral site. In any case, it's a Randy Arena surprise, surprise, home run, solo home run from Arena, one nothing Rays. The game would remain scoreless through five innings. Tony Gonsolin and the relievers doing, you know, pretty well. And then Blake Snell had been cruising. Five and a third innings for him. In the sixth inning, he would get A.J. Pollock to pop out to second base. Then he would allow a single to Austin Barnes. And then he would get replaced by Nick Anderson. Blake Snell, five and a third innings. Two hits, including the last batter that he faced, one run, it was the last hitter that he faced, Austin Barnes. He would later come around to score, and he struck out nine. He only threw 73 pitches and looked to be in control, and he was pulled after one poor pitch to Austin Barnes. I was kind of shaking my head at this time, as were a lot of other baseball fans, and guess what happened? Nick Anderson comes in and allows a double to Mookie Betts, sending Barnes to third base. Barnes would score on a wild pitch during the next at-bat, and the game would be tied, and Blake Snell's chances for a victory in this game go up in smoke as it's now tied at 1-1. Corey Seager would then hit into a fielder's choice, and Mookie Betts would score. So the Dodgers take the lead. You know, 
I'm going to stop the scoring summary right here, and we'll get back to it in a little bit, because this is something I want to talk about a little bit, John. Pulling pitchers prematurely. I was texting with my mother at this point, and she was telling me that Blake Snell had been doing very, very well. And she texted me before the sixth inning took place. And I told her, yeah, they might leave him in one more inning. He hasn't thrown that many pitches. But Kevin Cash is very reliant on his bullpen, almost too reliant. Prophetic words. Yes, John? Uh, very prophetic words. I I don't understand, unless there is something that us fans don't know about. If he was experiencing some soreness, if he had a blister, if him or the catcher, someone knew something that Snell gave them the sign that I need to go sit. And that would have come out in the days following that, and it hasn't. It was just Kevin Cash wanting to go to his bullpen because he's over-reliant on it. At least that's what, at least that's what I'm taking away from it. I, just, I don't get it. I don't get this brand of baseball. And Blake Snell is a tremendously talented pitcher, but he's never going to be a bona fide ace when he's pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays and manager Kevin Cash because he never goes more than six innings. Yeah, he's your so-called ace. He's a former Cy Young Award winner. Mm -hmm. So why don't you treat him like that? The ace is the one that's supposed to be bearing the brunt of the work here. And the Rays do it differently. They have the bullpen bear the brunt of the work, which I don't get. If your pitcher is doing that well... Leave him in there because you're going to bring in another pitcher and who knows what you're going to get out of him. Even if he warms up great, oftentimes or sometimes at least, he'll leave that good stuff in the bullpen and go out to the game mound and be a disaster. And then, of course, there are other times where he'll warm up really poorly and come out and spin a gem. So you really never know what you're going to get. And again, Snell was in control. He looked really good aside from the last batter. I, I just don't get this. The one other thing I will say is that the only reason we are discussing this now mm -hmm. is because of the, the outcome of the series. That and is this decision point. looks to have had been the clincher for the Dodgers. I guess Kevin Cash didn't want Dave Roberts to be the only current manager known for piss-poor World Series managing. <laughs> this decision angers me. I'm sorry. I have a lot of friends who are Dodgers fans. If I had a stake in this, I was kind of hoping that the Dodgers would come out on top just for my friend's sake, for your sake, for Jason Hernandez's sake, for my Uncle John's sake. I know a lot of Dodgers fans, and I'm glad they won, but Blake Snell's from my hometown. He's a shoreliner, and I feel awful for him that he pitched this was in the midst of pitching a gem. I'm not going to call a five-inning ball game a gem, but it was shaping up to be one. And he gets pulled early, and the bullpen comes in and f***s it up. I'm sorry, i got to bleep that. But I'm pissed off. I am upset for Blake Snell. Well, and to your point, Snell had only gone five and a third innings. He'd given up two hits, one run. He's an ace. He had also struck out nine. Yes, he had. And only thrown 73 pitches. I don't see any reason why he couldn't have at least gone seven. 48 of them were strikes. You're absolutely right, John. He should have gone at least seven. Okay, so he gave up a hit to the second batter he faced in the sixth inning. So what? The next, I mean, I don't care what the next guy does. One hit, you're going to pull him after he fails one hitter? 
I'm sorry, that's a wrong decision. I know Nick Anderson had been reliable this year and last. I don't care. Have your starting pitcher go as long as possible. I don't care who's coming out of the bullpen. Nick Anderson had been reliable. I'll get to his numbers in a minute. But it is a starting pitcher's job, particularly your ace, to keep your to keep his team in the ballgame for as long as possible, no matter what kind of bullpen you have. But again, Anderson had been very reliable. He had an 0.55 ERA this season in 19 ballgames. Last year, he had a 3.32 ERA in 68 ball games, 65 innings. He is no slouch. He happened to have a bad night, but the fact remains that he didn't get the job done, and Blake Snell was looking like that he, that he probably could have. Definitely. I don't understand the logic behind yanking him like that. No, I don't either, and we've, we've, we've ripped this decision apart six ways from Sunday, so we'll move on. There's only one more scoring play to talk about, and it was the bottom of the eighth inning. It was a Mookie Betts home run, which gave the Dodgers a 3-1 to lead, which pretty much sealed it. They win this game 3-1, to take the series four games to two. They are the 2020 World Series champions, their first World Series since 1988. And one more point to make about Blake Snell being pulled early. Not only did the bullpen fail, which we've talked about at length, but the Tampa Bay offense did not do its job either. There's plenty of blame to go around. It's not just the bullpen and Kevin cash if they would have given Snell two or three more runs to work with you know it could be a very very different outcome if the Rays get one more run here one more run there to give their pitching staff a little bit of a cushion you're totally right had the Rays come back and tied the game maybe even won the game and we go to seven and the Dodgers still win the series we we might be like well should he have done that yes but the Rays came back and won the game no they lost the World Series they lost the World Series. You're right. It, I mean, the, the fact that they lost the World Series in part because of that decision just amplifies that bad decision that much further, which, fair or unfair, that is just the way it is. Huh. So, But in any case, congratulations. I don't want to take anything away from this Dodgers victory. They deserve it. They earned it four games to two. Again, their first World Series championships is 1988, the year of Kirk Gibson's famous home run, well, Kurt Gibson had two famous World Series home runs, didn't he, John? Yes, he did. One in 1988 off Dennis Eckersley, one in 1984 off of uh, Goose Gossage. We're talking about the 1988 one. Obviously, one of the most famous home runs in baseball history. Any general thoughts on this World Series, John? Or do you just want to gloat a little bit? The floor is yours. <laughs> I am so glad the Dodgers, the third time in four years, they didn't have to face the trash can banging asterisks. (laughs) Yes. They almost did. They didn't lose to the lucky nationals. (laughs) They finally got the monkey off their backs. 32 years. They were impressive. They were dominant. Kershaw has that monkey off of his back. Mm -hmm, He had two great performances. And just to talk about Kershaw, that stigma that he had in the world, he's had some bad postseason outings. He has also had some good postseason outings. The Dodgers did not lose their World Series because of Clayton Kershaw. No, they certainly did not. No. And the final part of it is, I have always called this season a joke, a hoax, a farce, what have you. 
the two teams with the best records in Major League Baseball wound up making it to the World Series, even with this bloated playoff structure and abbreviated regular season, the two best teams made the World Series. So the World Series itself was not a joke, even though the regular season and everything leading up to it might have been. This was absolutely legitimate. It, it totally was. They played six games, played their hearts out. It wasn't a, a four-game sweep it could have gone seven. It could have. But it certainly was, and I was I was watching when Mookie Betts hit that home run, and <laughs> if I had been capable, I probably would have jumped out of my chair because that was an insurance run. That pretty much locked it up. That um, It was an eighth inning. It was two to one at that point. Mookie Betts adds one more, and sometimes that one more run is just what you need. The Rays did not wind up scoring the next half inning, which was the ninth, so it was a 3-1 to one final. But if he doesn't hit that home run, maybe the Rays have a little bit more momentum than they would have going into that ninth inning. Certainly. I was fully expecting and holding my breath during that inning, expecting, okay, here's going to be a walk, a base hit, a bloop. Oh, there you go. There's a run. Now suddenly we're tied. <laughs> and thankfully it did not happen. It did not happen at all. As a matter of fact, it was a 1-2-3 ninth inning. Manuel Margo fly out, and then uh, Mike Brousseau fans and Willie Adamas fans for Urias. Uh, Julio Urias pitched the ninth inning, and he gets the save. I'm kind of. Is this the first time that a clinching World Series game was saved by a pitcher with a single-digit uniform number? I think it is. <laughs> I don't expect you to know the answer to that question because it just popped into my brain head. But uh, that, that that would be interesting to look up, or, or it might not be, I don't know. In any case, John, we're a little bit over time, which is fine. It's a World Series. The World Series is supposed to be grand. This episode was anything but. But if you got anything to plug or you want to tell the nice folks where they can find you on Twitter, now is the time. I can be found on the Twitter sphere at SeattlePilot69. And you can be heard on this show from time to time, uh, talking Mariners baseball, little Dodgers baseball, and during the offseason, probably just, you know, maybe some baseball memories or such, because there's not going to be news every single day. I thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate having you on, especially since you did have a stake in this World Series, and I really didn't. That's going to do it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow, we actually are going to talk some legitimate Mariners news. There have been a lot of transactions, or a few transactions, that I will discuss on tomorrow's episode. And here with me to do that will be Ned Schimmelfinney, Gordon Shumway, and a Salisbury Steak. Remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that springs to mind. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow John on Twitter at SeattlePilots69 and me at DC underscore Lundberg. Thank you again to John Miller for joining me on today's program. I'm DC Lundberg. Thank you again for listening today, and we will be back tomorrow, Halloween. This is Joey Martin saying join us back here next time for another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 